A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. The World Cricket Show is proudly supported by Newbury Cricket. <laughs> the World Cricket Show is proudly supported by Newbury Cricket, quality bat makers since 1919. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name is Adam Bayfield and I take top billing on the podcast. And if you squint hard enough at the credits, you may just be able to make out the name of Tony Kerr. Evening. How are you doing this week, Tony? Good, thanks. It's another Sunday record, like, it's nice. like, like last week. Uh, although, fortunately, it's a bit later in the day this time. Last, last week we recorded at like 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning for some reason. Fortunately for all of us, I think, <laughs> yeah. including the listeners. Fortunately, it's a bit later in the day. It's Sunday afternoon. We were originally talking about doing another Sunday morning record, but then I saw you last night and we were both just like... Nah. No. no thanks. I think if I'd got up at 7.30 on a Sunday morning to record a podcast for a second week in a row, I think my girlfriend may have been starting to <laughs> seriously reflect on our relationship. Because yeah. I, I can't, like, sort of slip out of bed either. I'm not really one of those people. It's more like I have to set numerous alarms, about 15 alarms, because I just, you know, it goes off and I just immediately turn it off. So by, like, the sixth alarm, she kind of starts kicking me, and I'm there like, Oh God, <laughs> it's too early. And eventually kind of haul myself out of bed and trot off to talk to you. Uh, so yeah, probably for, for everyone concerned, yeah. us, the listeners, our relationships, it's probably a good thing that it's safe, a bit later in the day. Safe this space, time. isn't it? Yeah. It's safe time. Although I was hoping for croissants this week, but still, still not the case. Yeah, I'll get there eventually. Just starting to get those Sunday evening blues now. So uh, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's still the wrong time to record. Is there any good time to record? Uh, is there any time when you feel happy during the week, Tone? Well, the only thing, the, the benefit of recording on a Sunday is I'm not usually in a rush, so that is good. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a net positive, I think. There are obviously lots of negatives. I should be watching Crystal Palace Tottenham at the moment. <laughs> I say should. Actually, the TV is behind my head. You keep glancing over it. It's not on, is it? When we used to record in the uh, radio studio where you were working, BBC News would be on the, on the TV all the time. I just see your eyes just constantly flicking above my head just to sort of check in on what was happening in Parliament. With subtitles as well, so... Yeah, I didn't even have to, like, guess what was happening. Prince Harry's done what? God, that feels like a long time ago, mm. yeah. Yeah, we're still doing this. Yeah, yeah, true. There's no end in sight either, is there? Do you remember that... Um, I don't know if you saw it recently, there was a guy who has been broadcasting a radio show, I think weekly, uh, for about 30 or 40 years or something, uh, but it's only been his one listener has been his wife. Yeah, I did say so he's just been doing it. His, and he was like invited to like spend an hour broadcasting on, I don't know what it was, like Radio 2 or something to sort of live his dream. I wonder like in sort of 30 years time, we'll still be doing this. And we'll, you know, TMS will take pity on us and, and like, wheel us out for sort of 10 minutes of chit chat. I did see that story on the BBC News website, too, and I had to close the tab because it was a bit close to the bone. <laughs> yeah. Close to the bone. <laughs> uh, but anyway... We've got a lot to talk about tonight. As you say, what a week, what a week it's been. A remarkable test match in Barbados. Let's dive right into it, shall we? 
it's uh, yeah, England in the Caribbean. And yeah, the first test in their series against West Indies was in Barbados this week. Or should I say against Windies? I was going to, yeah, I was actually going to bring this up. Uh, when did it actually, when did it all change? When did Windies become an official, you know, acceptable name? Well, then they've actually changed it. The yeah. West Indies Cricket Board officially changed the name of the team to Windies. I want to say like 18 months ago, two I years ago. I vaguely remember that now, actually. <laughs> now <you mentioned> it. <laughs> did we talk about it? Possibly. We've talked about a lot of things. It was a sort of PR decision. It's just stupid, isn't it? I mean, yeah, they've always been known as the Windies. But they're not like the ICC test rankings list them as West Indies. Okay. But the, all the commentators, apart from the English ones who'd forget sometimes, were calling them Windies. It's another great session for Windies. Brilliant performance from the Windies. On Twitter, it's at Windies Cricket. I don't know. It's just, you know, fine, whatever. As you say, they've always been called that. It's not, they didn't just invent the nickname Windies, but it's just kind of weird that that's, it just sounds a bit silly that they kind of officially refer to them as that. And also just like, They've just always been called West Indies. So it's uh, like, I'm not going to call them something else. Yeah, I just felt like I needed to hear someone say the words West Indies after the first couple of days. Yeah. Uh, Well, anyway, uh, as I say, first test in the series, and it turned out to be a pretty extraordinary one. West Indies winning the toss, batting first. They were well set after the first 80 overs uh, at 240 for four. But then England took the new ball. James Anderson got his tail up. He took five wickets and West Indies were eventually bowled out for 289. So a bit of a collapse at the end there. Um, Shimron Hetmeyer with 81, uh, the standout for the Windies. That felt like England were in control then at that stage. But then on day two, a pretty extraordinary day of cricket as 18 wickets fell, 10 of them England wickets as they were bowled out for just 77. Kemar Roach with five for 17, blowing apart the England middle order. West Indies did then lose six wickets themselves in their second innings and at one stage were 61 for five and then 120 for six. But on day three, after 18 wickets fell on day two, no wickets fell on day three. Jason Holder and Shane Dowrich put on a partnership of just under 300. Holder finishing not out on 202 and Dowrich not out on 116. That meant they declared on 415 for six, which set England what seemed to be a fairly stiff target of 628 and although they got off to a reasonably good start partnership of 85 for the first wicket Rory Burns with 84 West Indies just kept taking wickets throughout the day and it accelerated as the day went on and they ended up falling in a heap a bit they were all out for 246 with Roston Chase taking eight for 60 so that gave Windies an enormous victory by 381 runs so yeah quite a game tone I mean, the first thing to say is, how good did it look in Barbados? Yeah. Almost makes you want to go to the Caribbean, doesn't it? It looked all right, for sure. Mm. Uh, and yeah, there was a lot of tweets to that effect. Of, I mean, the thing, the, well, the only thing I would say is, though, a lot of the, the sort of, you know, the Twitter accounts were, were posting photos of people in the sort of pool hot tub thing by the sort of beach. Yeah, swimming pool. Yeah. That doesn't really, that's not really that attractive to me, to be honest. Doesn't look that good. Well, I think it's one of those things that it looks in better theory, than it yeah, would actually theory. be. But like yeah. the idea of sort of climbing into there or clambering into there at sort of, you know, midway through the third session of the day, sort of uh, sort of beery foam. I say it's probably more covering the surface. More banks than water <laughs> yeah, at that exactly. point. Not that attractive. But the overall picture, yeah, I'll give you, looked, uh, looked a touch enticing. It looks good on Instagram. Yeah. So yeah, as I say, an absolutely crushing victory 
for West Indies and an absolutely crushing defeat for England. Is there an argument, Tone, for this being one of the worst defeats for England in their history? Like both in terms of size, I think it's, uh, it's West Indies' biggest ever win in the Caribbean by runs, you know, not counting innings victories, but it's a huge margin of runs. So both in terms of the size of the defeat, but also like the expectations coming in, and we'll get onto this, but you know, we did not predict this in our preview podcast. Yeah, it, does this have to go down as one of England's worst ever defeats? Yeah, we didn't get a lot right in our prediction podcast, although you're still on for your 2-1 uh, series results, so I'll, I tip my cap to you for that. Thanks, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's got to be up there, surely. Uh, not, yeah, as you say, not just the margin, the manner, the players that uh, for the West Indies achieved like almost scarcely believable uh, like personal hauls in this match. I mean, you know, Jason Holder, we, we spoke about yeah, head of the series and, and you know, what a fine year he'd had with the ball last year and, you know, and, you know, you know, a top cricketer that he's turned into, but I don't think anyone would have, would have had him, you know, nailing a double turn in this test. Likewise, Roston Chase, uh, you know, I think it'd been sort of dialing back on the bowling in recent times, you know, what odds would you've got him taking eight for? Well, he now has better test best figures than Shane Warne which is quite remarkable, isn't it? <laughs> and, you know, I all credit to them for that. But yeah, so, so certainly, you know, that aspect of it. And, you know, it, just, it was just so comprehensive. You know, obviously, I think when England had West Indies, sorry, had Windies 289 not out, you thought, you know, we had a match on West Indies. You know, it's not a big enough total to sort of impose themselves on the match at that point. Yeah, so then for, for England to fail so spectacularly in their first innings and then the way West Indies went about their second innings and, you know, they looked pretty untroubled at the start. I think they put on 50-odd uh, as they sort of looked to build on that lead. Then, obviously, they got penned back a bit and there was that sort of day, was it day three, yeah, where Holder and uh, Darich just took the game away. But it wasn't even like, they weren't like ground, uh, they, were, oh, no, they weren't sort of ground down. They were like pummeled, weren't they? Mm. It wasn't like, they weren't hanging around. Holder was smashing the ball all over the place. Like eight was, sixes, I yeah. think, yeah. So, so comprehensive in the end. Yeah, as to be demoralising. Yeah, as to be just almost scarcely believable, really. Mm. Yeah, well, I think England cumulatively in their two innings, I think I've done the math right here, managed just 28 runs more than Holder and Dowrich put together in that unbroken partnership. So for the loss of 20 wickets, uh, they managed 28 runs more than that partnership for the loss of zero wickets. I mean, it is, it is hard to explain certain aspects of it. Like, it, it's hard to explain how England couldn't find a way through those two on, on that day. You know, whatever you say about how England played, you know, first innings, Anderson bowled, you know, immaculately and, and got fine reward for that. And he doesn't take a wicket in the second innings. And, you know, between him and, and Stokes, you know, and the way Stokes bowled in that first innings, he looked, looked decent. And when he had success on, on day two as well, looked looked good as well. So, yeah, it is tough to explain that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but is it kind of illustrative of how important confidence is in cricket? Because, you know, once England had been bowled out for 77, I mean, they had a sniff when they had them like 61 for five. But as soon as Holder and Darich put on about 40 or 50, the game was gone. And it's just after that, you just the sixes start flying and their heads drop because they're 400 behind. They're definitely going to lose. You can make that argument then with the in their batting as well. You know, people kind of open mouthed at the fact that Ross and Chase has taken eight wickets, with good reason to some extent. But you know, when you've got six hundred runs on the board 
and two days to bat. It's just, it's very difficult, isn't it? To, to keep your head up in that situation. So you're saying, yeah, basically it was lost in, in the 77 all out. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, was obviously. Yeah. You, you, you don't win many games of cricket if you're bowled out for 77. I just think, you know, the belief's gone at that point and they maybe were already starting to think about Antigua. I'll take that point, although... You know, this is the, not a defensive no. thing, it's just trying to exp- explain it, maybe. But certainly the second innings, you know, obviously target 6-2-8 is implausible. But, you know, they've not got anything better to do than bad. <laughs> they? Like, well, like, I mean, oh, I suppose like, yeah, they're in the yeah. Caribbean, they've got there's lots of good stuff they could be doing. But we've talked about the batting lineup at length. You know, all those guys, well, most of them are still trying to either find form or nail down their place. So you'd think... Actually, in many ways, there was there was no pressure on them. They could have just, mm. you know, they could have just played it as they come and and yeah, and tried to dig in for as long as possible. And, you know, Burns showed a flash of that, didn't he, with his eighty four. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about Windy's first. Yeah. We'll come on. Well, yeah. we'll come on to that in just, a moment. Just, just the concept of like Joss Butler in the dressing room and Joe Root's like, "Do you want to have a bat, Joss?" He's like, eh, "Yeah, might as well. <laughs> I've got anything yeah. better to do." Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about uh, West Indies. Sorry, Windy's. First, so yeah, a WICB representative has been brought in uh, <laughs> since we started the podcast. It's just staring at us at the moment. Um, let's talk about Windies first. So, as you say, some aspects of this are quite difficult to explain, but that's what we get paid the big money for, Tane. So, how did we get it so wrong? Do you think? I mean, as I say on our preview show, I mean, I think we were quite careful not to get sort of carried away with England, and 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 I, I think we did say that it might be trickier than they were expecting, but we both thought that England would win the series. We both thought that it was going to be very difficult for West Indies. And we certainly weren't expecting this. We weren't expecting such a comprehensive outclassing of England by West Indies. So, I mean, how do you even attempt to explain it? Like, do you think we underestimated West Indies where we a bit too, you know, did, did we not give them enough credit coming into it? Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think a, good enough lawyer would find enough in that episode you know enough sort of mitigating sort of statements from from myself to to paint a picture that i didn't underestimate the west the windies uh but yeah. yeah i think obviously well on the basis of this this match certainly did somewhat yeah i think despite being told repeatedly don't underestimate don't underestimate the windies it sort of fell into that trap a bit but we, I think we did know they were going to be, I don't know how to put it politely, they were going to put up some resistance because mm. they've done a little bit more than that. Seriously impressive and, you know, particularly, I think you, almost that second innings, you know, the batting you can actually put to one side, I think. It was, it was the bowling that won it and particularly uh, Roach with his Pfeiffer in the first innings. But actually as a unit, they, they mm. bowled so well, didn't they? You know, like Gabriel was in there banging them in, you know, bouncing people out. You know, Holder, pretty well as well and you know Zari Joseph looked really sharp when he came and he didn't get much opportunity he didn't wasn't needed too much but you know picked up a wicket when he came on so there was kind of no let up was there it, you know and that, and that the, the spell from Roach was just epic yeah I mean there's just so much pace in that attack and it, it's it's quite frightening isn't it it's, it's again showing the benefit of pace because as we know it's not the be all and end all by any means but just it does if, if, if even if all you have is pace, it just gives the batsmen something to think about. You know, they're they're having to think about their own self-preservation, if nothing else. If 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 Shannon Gabriel's steaming in and potentially, you know, trying to knock your block off, I understand that it's different if you're an international class batsman. But just the thought of like walking out to to face a bowler, would you rather face Shannon Gabriel or Sam Curran? Like, there's a pretty 
obvious answer to that question, even if Sam Curran were to be more likely to get you out. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's an amazing achievement for the West Indies, isn't it? I mean, I, this threatened to be a really great game of cricket, like a, a really kind of close game. It ended up being not close at all, but I think it was still, like it was, it was still a great game to watch all the way through. And I think also like it was a great game for cricket. And and so so like some people I think have been assuming that I'd be really upset about this result, but actually I was actively rooting for West Indies for most of the game. Like I wanted them to win because it is so good for cricket. Like it's just, it's fantastic to see West Indies win and win at home. It's fantastic to see West Indian fast bowlers on song. Like it's just, test cricket is better when West Indies do well. And I'm, I'm aware that a lot of people are saying this and it becomes a bit of a cliche and we shouldn't like patronize them. Like the idea that, you know, that you're sort of saying, oh, well done guys. Like to Jason Holder and Key Marish. I mean, these are like world-class international cricketers and the other the, the other side of the coin is that this is only one game, one performance, and we'll see what happens. But I think that what's what feels different and what feels so great about this performance is that West Indies now have a test match team that you're excited about watching. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the rest of this series because I want to see Roach bowl and Gabriel bowl and you want to watch, and we'll talk about him a bit more, but you want to watch Shimron Hetmeyer bat. This is a really kind of box office team now, which has been the case for their... T20 and and to some extent ODI team for quite a long time but it's not so much been the case with the test side so that feels like a big change and one that's really positive for cricket like you imagine the next time West Indies come to England that's going to be quite a draw isn't it because fans want to watch these guys play yeah definitely and and yeah a mix of a mix of players who've now who are sort of reaching the you know who have the experience and reaching the sort of maturity to, to give that balance to the the younger guys in the team it, yeah look i mean on the basis of that that match it, they look in decent shape as you say it, like uh hetmeyer had <laughs> had a great great match and yeah the, it, what was what did he score 81 uh yeah was it 81 83 yeah. 81 yeah that was actually one of the most enjoyable innings yeah yeah i've watched absolutely. for a long time not least because he was batting in a sun hat for a lot of it, which is just cool, isn't it? Just, just undeniably all cool. All runs should be worth double. Yeah, <laughs> if you're batting in just that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was absolutely a brilliant knock and uh, and, 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 yeah, and a crucial knock, really, in, in the scheme of things. So uh, I mean, you, you hope with Hetmeyer in particular. I mean, I think, yeah, he, Atherton said this, but I do feel like he's my new favourite cricketer, definitely. Like, it was just, he's just so cool in so many ways and such a great batsman to watch. But you do, you hope that he sticks around in the test team because he's got a contract for the IPL this year. And this is the kind of thing that a few years ago, someone who came into the West Indies test team like that, batted in that way, got an IPL contract. You probably wouldn't see a lot more of him in the test team. But you do, you hope that now that there's a, a little bit more momentum, and again, this is only one performance, but as we said on the preview pod, they have been winning test matches here and there for a while. If they are starting to build up a good team, that might encourage you know, it, it kind of creates its own feedback loop where they're encouraged to stay in the team, to not disappear to franchise cricket because they're part of something exciting in, in the test team. Yeah, we, and we talked about it <clears throat> the other week, uh, you know, Coley's reaction to winning the series in Australia and, you know, what he said about test crickets for him being, you know, that being the most sort of satisfying kind of moment of his career. And, you know, you hope that rubs off on... Mm you know, some of the sort of players who are, who are sort of in and out of, of test sides or, you know, dabbling in the, 
in the shorter formats of the game, which have, you know, we talk about all the time. We talk about this all the time, but, you know, obviously have a, you know, a real place in, in cricket, but, you know, it, you know, for, for those kind of noises to come out of what, you know, who is the best player in the world and probably the most influential player in the world at the moment is really good. And yeah, you know, it, things seem to be sort of coming together for test cricket mm. in the last kind of 18 months. Well, Hetmeyer's off to the IPL. He's actually off to RCB to Royal Challengers Bangalore where Cody plays. So, in his particular case, Cody might kind of directly rub off on him in that case, which would, which would be good. But I, it's so, yeah, just a remarkable week for the Windies and actually a remarkable week for the island of Barbados. Like the, the, the key players in this match, with the exception of Hetmeyer, his, his Guyanese, uh, are all from Barbados. Roach, Holder, Dowrich, Chase. This is a, a well-documented thing. But it is worth reflecting every so often on how remarkable it is that these islands in general, but particularly Barbados, there's a population of less than 300,000. It's slightly bigger than the population of Brighton and is producing at the moment some of the best cricketers in the world. And historically, you know, you could put together like an all-time Barbados 11 and it would give a good game to an all-time rest of the world 11. And that actually a lot of them come from the same village in Barbados as well. It's very hard to explain, but it's amazing. Uh, And it's, yeah, another great week for them here. We should probably talk a little bit more about Jason Holder he kind of pummeled England into submission on on that third day. Some of those shots were just were gorgeous. Like the, the sound off the bat, the one the one down the ground to bring up his hundred was as clean a hit as you'll ever see. And it was yeah, another thing that was just brilliant to watch in this Test match. And I think it was a very intelligent innings as well because like if you watch the I was watching back the highlights and it actually looks at times it looked like England didn't have eleven fielders on the pitch because he'd he'd be hitting it just into a huge open space. And you're like, well, why isn't there a fielder out there? But it's because he's moving the fielders around where he wants them and hitting in a different part of the ground where there's no one, you know, where there is no fielder there now. And it's yeah. it clever batting. Funnily enough, I mean, you know, and not to suggest any of the England batsmen should have come out on day four and, and played with that kind of freedom because it's obviously a very different match situation. But, you know, similar situations because they could have declared hundreds of runs ago. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you hold obviously enjoying himself, playing with that that freedom and the celebration, you know, his reaction at getting to 200 was mm. pretty special as well. Uh, and obviously, a, you know, a house packed with England fans as well, but, but everyone, I think, enjoyed it. There's a little bit of controversy. Did you see Andrew Flintoff's tweet? Yeah, after that third day, he tweeted, world's gone mad, England bowled out for 77 and then Jason Holder, Jason Holder, question mark, got a double hundred, WTF. I don't know what that stands for, but um, some kind of acronym. Some Windies officials have, have branded those comments along with pre-series comments from Jeffrey Boycott saying that West Indies are rubbish, essentially. Branded those comments disrespectful. I mean, what do you think, Tony? Do you think that's... Do you think they were disrespectful? Do you think Flintoff's tweet there is disrespectful? I guess, it, 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 yeah, it is by its very nature disrespectful, but I don't think it was necessarily meant disrespectfully. So, yeah, <laughs> right. I do you know what I mean? A bit too much to warrant a sort of an official response mm. from from the Windy's uh, uh, Windy's board, but you know, I, a lot of people probably would have been thinking that. I mean, it's not it's not exactly we're not talking about like Jason Gillespie scoring a double turn here, are we? You know, it, he is uh, an established all rounder, a couple of Test centuries to his name before, but you know what? He, had, he, had, he scored a hundred against Zimbabwe in Zimbabwe. He has scored a hundred, hasn't he, against England before? But yeah, probably not a lot to suggest that no. he was going to be scoring a double ton. Obviously, the match situation perhaps permitted it. You know, he didn't go and do that in the first innings. But yeah, that shouldn't take any credit away from him at all. Yeah. 
although I can see where you could read that tweet, like with the question mark as everything as being, yeah, him saying, him talking about Jason Holder as though he's Jason Gillespie or somebody like that. And, you know, people may be saying, well, don't you know that Jason Holder is actually a very good batsman? But I can't imagine many people before the series would have imagined that Jason Holder would score a double hundred batting at number eight. Like it's, yeah, it's it's quite surprising. But, but that being said, it's, it is probably fair to say that he's underrated generally. And we'll talk about this more in a bit, but like he now has a better batting average and a better bowling average than Ben Stokes. And you wouldn't necessarily know that based on how those two players are, uh, are covered, you know, represented in the media. And actually his batting, like, although it is surprising he got a double hundred, his batting's always been really good. Like he could bat a lot higher than eight. He could comfortably bat at six in a test team. Uh, but it's, it, it, it's actually the bowling that's the thing that's, that's come on so much in, in the last year or so. Um, yeah, no, I think you've got a fair point. And that is, that's, uh, it's pretty startling that, that that statistic, although, you know, obviously us being in the UK, you know, Stokes is going to receive a slightly different level of uh, hype. Yeah, exactly. Level of interest than, than, than Holder. And, you know, off the back of, you know, the IPL contracts and stuff. Yeah, clearly Stokes is a more box office player worldwide. But yeah, maybe he shouldn't be. Maybe mm. going forward, and, and you know, Stokes is, you know, will come onto it. You know, has, has perhaps got work to do. Look, well, we will come onto it. <laughs> yeah. No, well, finish your point. Finish your point. At times, he, well, he bowled really well. He he got a, a few key wickets. You know, with the bat though, he, he didn't make a contribution, in it, and it has been a little while now. So, yeah, he, he, he sort of he does need to start putting his hand up a bit more. Yeah, he's kind of under the microscope, definitely with the bat. Well, we will come on to talk about England very soon. Just one final point, like. They gave Holder Man and Match Award. Very tough decision, given that they could have easily given it to Roston Chase as well. So, you know, it's perfectly understandable that they gave it to Holder, but were it up to me, I would have given it to Kemal Roach because I think, as I say, that 77 all-out is the key thing in the game, isn't it? And he, Roach really cracked the game open, I think, in that spell. And although it was astonishing from Holder and, you know, just as England was starting to get back into the game, he took, took it away from them and possibly had West Indies you know folded and been out for 150 it could have been a different game so it was clearly a vitally important innings but Roach's spell is really the thing that that won the game I think and and as you say he is very fast but he's maybe not quite as fast as he used to be but still fast enough and he was really getting the ball to kind of lift up off the pitch and kind of spearing in at the the rib cage and the throat and it's yeah it, it, it was terrific to watch and just kind of hoping for more of the same from him and Gabriel in the rest of the series. Yeah, you know, and the encouraging thing for West Indies, uh, you know, we talked about Holder, Hetmeyer, Chase, Roach, the other bowlers. Dowrich with 100 Dowrich as well. Dowrich got 100. Uh, you know, Shea Hope looked really good. And the openers, you know, performed you know, pretty well as well. You know, both got starts in both innings and, and Campbell on debut uh, you know, raced to 44 in the first innings before getting out. But, you know, they, they'll have, they'll, be taking encouragement from this match as well. Mm. You know, Darren Bravo didn't do so yeah, well. Not so much, yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's time for him to, to put that right in the series. So, you know, most of that team going to second test will be thinking, hey, up. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm, I'm on to something here. I'm doing all right. Hey, up, lads. <laughs> That's how I imagine Craig Brathwaite talks. Yeah. So, uh, well, yeah, in contrast to, to England, who will be going to second test. And, you know, if there were question marks going to the series, there are now... I don't know what's bigger than a question mark. Really. 
Yeah, like, like in Spanish with an upside down <laughs> question mark at the beginning of the sentence yeah. as well. There are now two question marks in every sentence and one of them's upside down. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, okay, let's move on to England then. What, yeah. what to make of England, Tane? Because, you know, as we've said, West Indies played extremely well, but that surely doesn't explain everything. That doesn't explain the entirety of this match. So... What went wrong for England? Do you think you know? Does it does it start from the start? You know, there's been there's been a lot of talk about selection, about how maybe England got their team wrong. You know, picked the wrong team. How do you see it, Tone? How do you see that? And just more generally, what do you think happened to England in this game? In, in, I think yeah, parts of it are quite tough to explain. Well, I would find quite tough to explain if I was hauled in front of someone who like you. <laughs> You seem really concerned at the moment. You're going to end up in court (laughs) because of what you say on the podcast. I know. I'm just getting twitchy. (laughs) Uh, Partly they're a little bit undercooked and, you know, that's been pointed to as well. What what do they play? Like sort of two hitting runs in the middle. Uh, So the sort of lack of competitive or at least kind of match realistic warm-ups hasn't helped. The selection, yeah that didn't come off well, you know, whatever decisions they made, they didn't really come off. The batting was pretty diabolical and, you know, Jennings looks, looks worried. The shot he played in the second innings was like, it was, I don't know, it was baffling. He's just got no, no foot movement at all. Um, which does raise red flags, doesn't it? Especially with the the challenges to come. You know, he he was good in Sri Lanka, but it is a very different situation. And is is he kind of a a subcontinent specialist? Which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's not you know England would have killed for a subcontinent specialist at one time, and possibly still now. But it's hard to see how he can carry on as a a Test match opener with a technique like that. He just doesn't move his feet. And yeah, two very similar dismissals. I didn't move my feet. Well, I don't move my feet and I haven't got very far <laughs> in batting. So, you know. There's still hope for you, Tone. We don't want to be too, we don't want to be too reactionary. We pride ourselves, don't mm. we, here at the World Cricket Show on not being too reactionary. Because uh, th- things did look to be moving in the right direction and England aren't a bad team overnight. But yeah, it, it was a real couple of steps, maybe three steps backwards. I mean, in terms of the selection, like they could reasonably say, well, it could have been the right selection. But by selection, obviously, we're talking about the fact that they left out Stuart Broad, that they played Rashid and Moeen and played two spinners with Sam Curran as one of three seamers. 
So yeah, they, they could turn around now and say, well, look, if we'd batted better, that could have been the right selection. Yeah, if they'd if they'd if they'd had the spinners bowling later in the game, you know, Chase took eight wickets, and you know that obviously is a bit of an anomaly in some ways. But you know, they could say quite reasonably say, well, it's not that the selection was bad; it was that we batted appallingly. And also, like, it's a bit of a cliche that England gets skittled for 77 and all anyone's talking about in terms of changes for the next test is in the bowling attack. Like, it, it's it's pretty silly, really. And I did, I think uh, NASA made quite a good point which on commentary, which is that the danger now is that because there's been so much talk about how they got the selection wrong, they'll go to Antigua and go, right, let's bring in Broad, leave out Rashid, like, and basically pick the team they should have picked in Barbados. Actually, it could be a very different surface in Antigua. They might need two spinners in Antigua, so they need to pick the right team for that not the team they should have played here I think Broad should play either way like if they still play two spinners I, I would want Broad in for Curran but but yes on on the on the reactionary point like I've in my notes here Tone, I've underlined the word perspective I like I think we need to keep things in perspective but in both directions so like yes I'm very keen not to overreact to this it was a terrible performance but we've seen quite a few terrible performances from England in recent years that they've then followed up with a very good performance so that is perfectly possible that that will happen again that is something that needs addressing the fact that they do fall apart so easily at times but like it it doesn't make them a bad side overnight as Joe Root has been keen to stress it doesn't wipe away what they achieved in Sri Lanka but equally I think people and perhaps us to some extent also lost a bit of perspective about how well they did do in Sri Lanka you know that I wasn't convinced by England at all before that series. I, I thought England's win at home against in, India was like a little bit misleading and maybe, uh, you know, people were off the back of that uh, getting carried away. But I did think, you know, winning 3-0 in Sri Lanka is a pretty impressive result, whoever you are. And, and I did think that must signal the turning of a corner, but I'm not quite so sure now. And it's just, basically, it's just a very, they're a very difficult team to make sense of because... You can say, well, yeah. So it's a yeah. Poli- the police are on their way to arrest yeah, us for using the word West Indies, not Windies. Yeah, they're, they're a very hard team to make sense of. Like on the one hand, you can say let's not overreact to this one defeat because they'd actually won eight of the ten tests before this, but then they hadn't won any of the eight tests before that. So um, you know, I don't think it's right to say that this is just a blip. Like this one game is just a blip. Yes, it's against the run of play in a sense. It you know the no one saw it coming because of how well they played in the previous few games. But actually, like the the fact they got bowled out for seventy seven, the the frailty in the batting is a long standing problem, isn't it? They got bowled out for fifty eight by New Zealand less than a year ago. You know, I think the truth probably is that they're a bang average test side. They're not a woeful test side, but they're not a particularly good one either. And that's fine, or that would be fine, except you don't get the impression from the way they'd speak about it that the England camp themselves consider themselves to be a bang average test. I mean, obviously, they're not going to come out and say, yeah, we're a bang average test. (laughs) But, you know, they I think they think they're a really good team. And that's the way Root's been talking about them kind of post-match. He said things like, no, you know, we haven't we need to remember that we haven't become a bad side overnight. And I know I literally said those words a few minutes ago, but but also they're not a good side either. And I think really what I want to see is just a bit more humility from the England team. I think they'd be an easier side to like, to warm to, 
firstly, but also it just I'd like to see a bit more realism about where they are. Like we talked about this after the Ashes, that they seemed kind of deluded. You know, Johnny Bairstow coming out and saying, I think it's laughable that people are having a go at Moeen Ali after he had one of the worst series any spinners ever had. Uh, but it seems to have come back recently that there's there's a there's a there's been a sense that England not only consider themselves to be a good team, they actually think they're on the cusp of becoming some kind of world historical, you know, transformative team with Root talking about how they want to play an attacking brand of cricket and how, you know, they're they're changing the game because they're scoring runs from the lower order and we're not so bothered about scoring runs in the top order. It's like, hang on, mate, let's you know, let's sort the basics out first, like not getting bowled out for 77. And then maybe we can think about changing cricket. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think that's very fair. And, uh, you know, that comes from Bayless as well. I think he's mm. quite hard nosed, isn't he? And he, he sort of doesn't wear the, wear these kind of defeats particularly well. And, you know, and I guess tough to be too critical because, Whenever you lose a game, I mean, you've got you kind of what, what do you what, what do you want people to say? But you know, I, I think you're on something. I, I mean, partly I think that's down to or this this kind of air, uh, or this aura. Not aura is the right word, isn't it? But this mm. air about the team that you just described arrogance in some yeah. ways. Yeah, it, it's possibly down to the fact that for the kind of the first time in history that England have actually got a really good one day team. That's a good point. And yeah. and so whereas England have been used to in the last you know, the last sort of fifteen years of having a good test team for the most part, having a good test team, you know, all of a sudden we've got a good one day team. And I guess probably there's a sense of expectation that, that, that one should follow, uh, but which it obviously isn't at the moment. You're quite right. Like it, it isn't a bit, but then you do, you look at some of the players now and you think that there are world-class players in that team, mm. given the right circumstances and, and in form, which would get into any team in the world, but they're not performing at the moment and the players around them, are just not performing at all either. So, but they're not performing at the moment. But actually, have they performed very much at all? Do we have a sense of how good these players are that is inflated way beyond what it should be? I mean, I, I think the the point about the one day team is a really good one, and I think it's easy for us as fans to kind of separate out their form in Test cricket from their form in one day cricket. If you're Johnny Bears, though, like to me, he's almost like a different human being you know Johnny Bester in the test team Johnny Bester in the one day team and I have a very different sense of how good he is and the same with a few other players but like if you are Johnny Bester you're probably thinking you know he smashed however many one day hundreds it was last year he's thinking I've had a great year which he has but not in test cricket so I, I think that's a really good point but you know somebody like Ben Stokes maybe Moeen maybe Joss but I mean yeah like Ben Stokes has a worse batting average and a worse bowling average than Jason Holder and Jason Hall is a very good player and he's got good averages, but it's not like from the way people talk about Ben Stokes, you would think he would be delivering much more than he is. I mean, it's a bit harsh after this game because he actually bowled really well, but he's not delivered with the bat to any great extent for quite a long time. And even Joss Butler, who's had that very good summer, you know, he's, he had a good summer, but like it's, I think there's a bit of a kind of poverty of expectation we've been kind of wowed by Joss Butler partly because he did so much better than he had before. And then perhaps we were expecting, but it's also being kind of hooked in by the, the flashiness of the stroke plan stuff. But like, he's actually not, you know, he's averaging what around 40 since coming back into the team, which is fine, but it's not, you know, for the way he's then talked about as a kind of generational talent, like it's not quite, it doesn't quite match up. It's, is my point. And, you know, this this tweet's been going round. I think Wisdom tweeted the, the batting averages of the England top seven since the start of 2018. And it's 
Jennings 26, Burns 30, Bairstow 29, Root 38, Stokes 25, Butler 41, Moeen 16. I mean, those are the facts and it's... It's not enough. It's not, not enough, enough to yeah. win. It's not good to enough. regularly win matches and series, is it? No, Which again, would be fine or like would be... You could swallow that, but they then talk about themselves and get talked about at times as though they're a lot better than that. No, I think that's fair. But then, you know, they're just, they, we've talked about it in the last couple of years, but they're just, whatever questions are getting asked, they're just not finding answers, are they? It'll be interesting. And, you know, hopefully Burns, you know, enjoys the rest of the series and, you know, a bit of promise there. But again, you know, like Jennings looks, looks shot here. So kind of, you know, I guess Denley will, well, potentially Denley will play the second test. Uh, and then you've got that middle order, which looks on paper decent, but isn't putting its hand up, you know, anywhere near uh, enough. Uh, and then, you know, and Moeen, you know, with two ducks in the game. It's dismal it's just, shots as well. Yeah, it's a long tail, but it's a pretty short middle order. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's, there's something fundamentally very weird about the batting order still. And it does just feel like there's too many all-rounders in the team. Like they, they, I think they consider that to be a strength, but they probably have to make a decision about some, at some point about which of the all-rounders they want. It's counterproductive in the end. Like the fact that they've got so many means that Ben Folkes is batting at eight. They've picked Curran partly for his batting ability, but he's batting at nine. I mean, you're actually like removing the opportunity for them to do what they've been picked to do. Um, I mean, Moeen, I would just bat at 10. I would just say to him, at least at the moment, I would just say, you're in the team as a bowler. Forget about your batting at the moment. And that would at least, if they see him in that way, he's just in the team as a bowler. We don't need him to bat at seven. We've got other players who can do that. He's just in the team of the bowler. Then you make an assessment. Is he good enough to be in the team as a bowler? Because that's part of the problem with these all-rounders as well, is that you need to pick them because they're good enough at both disciplines to be in the team, not because they're almost good enough at both, you know. Mm. Or like world-class at one and useful at mm. the other. So I don't know. I mean, as you say, like it is, it is easy to overreact to this. And I think, you know, England will probably be feeling a bit, like the England players will be probably feeling a bit defensive about the fact that everyone's laying into them now because they'll say, well, we just won 3-0 in Sri Lanka. But I feel like that was a bit more the exception at least in terms of the batting, you know, the, the performance of, of the batsman. And, it, you know, they could very well turn it around in the rest of the series, but that will also not suddenly mean they're a world-class team again. I mean, they, they, probably, like, they very possibly will win the series from here or draw the series from here because, as I say, they have made a habit of doing that. And as we say, like, West Indies played a brilliant match and their, their bowling was outstanding, but there are still, I think, a few reasons to be concerned about their batting they did have that collapse in the first innings and didn't make 300. They were 120 for six in the second innings. And then there was that kind of extraordinary partnership, which wouldn't necessarily happen again. So, you know, if England can find a way to get runs on the board, perhaps win the toss, uh, which they didn't hear, you know, they definitely can put West Indies under pressure. But, you know, that, that seems a fairly sizable lift. But there, there, there's there's reasons to think they can still win the series from here. But it's just you worry then that they would start to think that that's that, that, that therefore they could ignore all the criticism they're receiving this week. But I, I don't think they can or should. As you say, the manner of the defeat, the, the scale of the defeat isn't surprising in recent history, but you sort of, you can't, it, it's tough to sort of just gloss over a, a defeat as, as yeah. comprehensive as that. 
so I think you know you're right about the the, the noises that are sort of coming out of England that, that they they should they shouldn't be losing by that much. Might be time for the Bayfield report at, yeah. l- at long last. You've had it. You've rewritten it a number of times. <laughs> well, anyway, a, a remarkable game of cricket then, and a really exciting one too. I think at least for the first couple of days, and I really enjoyed it, Tony, if only because I watched almost all of it. Um, as I said on the on the preview pod, one of the reasons I was so excited about the series is because if you live in the UK, you work nine to five, you can actually watch, you know, a huge amount of of the action. And uh, I was not working on Wednesday afternoons. So I watched all of the first day. I watched literally every ball, and I can't remember the last time I did that. And it was great. Does it kind of add fuel to the argument for day night Test cricket, which you know we've talked about before? Not that we have to go into this in great depth, but we talked about it before, and there's pros and cons and you know we have reservations in some ways but it can't not be a good thing that you can actually watch it as a fan which is not really the case for a lot of test matches even at home yeah uh, yeah potentially it's, it is a really tricky one though because yeah the playing a day night match does fundamentally sort of mess with the understood kind of rules and sort of behaviors of, of test cricket so it, yeah it, it'd be a major shift but yeah no you're right it is nice when you can actually watch the game live yeah it was nice to see a good crowd in it uh the kensington oval as well although it was almost all england fans wasn't it you know maybe maybe a bit of a shame not to see a few more locals there i mean we're part of the problem tone and that we're going to be going out and we'll be uh part of that crowd of england fans in st lucia but, but yeah if a performance like that doesn't sort of spark a few extra yeah, a few extra people to, to go along and watch mm. it and kind of nothing will, will it? So. Well, true, yeah. But I, I, although I guess it's a bit of a shame in a way that like, you know, that, that there's no test in Jamaica and there's no test in Trinidad. Like they've, the cricket board have now decided, you know, now made the decision that it's, it's, it is almost, it, they've decided that it is a tourist attraction really. Like there is a shift to putting them on the holiday islands rather than on the, in Trinidad and Jamaica and these islands with big populations and big cricketing traditions um which yeah it's 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 a little bit of a shame but as you say the the performance they put in means that you might see a few more locals in antigua and Lucia, which would be which would be good yeah and yeah you know it's obviously a, a jam-packed year isn't it and the, the cricket schedules are you know bursting in the gunnels but you know it's a shame it's a th- you know it could easily be a four test series yeah, well, we're saying this now. We, yeah, we wouldn't have been saying that before the series, but suddenly, yeah, now, true, yeah, yeah, true. suddenly it feels like yeah. that would be a great thing. Well, I mean, it moves on at speed, the, the series entertain. The second test starts in Antigua on Thursday. I mean, we've talked about it a lot. We've talked about the fact that England can bounce back, but what's your feeling? What, what do you think's going to happen? Uh, <laughs> you said you don't want to make predictions anymore, but I'm going to try and force you to make another one. I, yeah, I don't know. I think I've got to stick with my with my gut my which pre, was 2-0 to England pre, yeah sticking <laughs> standing by that so think, anyone who says that it's not finished 2-0 is, is fake news so you think this result's going to get wiped away somehow yeah, yeah it'll be expunged yeah okay uh, no I, I yeah I, I, I'm going to back England to bounce back here to win in Antigua to win in Antigua that but was, then a lot of that depends there's so many factors obviously but yeah I mean as you said before you know the team selection how how they read it yeah, because they're sort of under pressure. Either way, they're going to get criticised. Really, if they stick or twist, it, it opens up to to problems. So I don't know. Who knows? That would certainly set it up very nicely for us as we're going out to St Lucia for the third test. One of the reasons I was rooting for West Indies to win this test is because I was worried that England would win the first two tests quite 
comfortably and it would be a you know sort of underwhelming dead rubber that we're going to see whereas you know it would obviously be great if it was one all and it was a decider but suddenly i'm worried that it's going to be you know that west indies are going to be tuning up and it will be it'll still be an underwhelming dead rubber we'll see well that's all the time we have tone have you enjoyed yourself it's been good uh it's got dark as we've been speaking he's starting to feel those sunday evening blues a bit more uh forcefully yeah a little bit <laughs> we've got a bit of Antigua to look forward to and then obviously as you said a bit of sunshine so yeah I can bear it yeah you're in a, a good frame of mind at the yeah, moment yeah positive yeah I was around here last night actually as so I ran at your flat we were uh, playing Mario Party which you just bought on the Switch <laughs> and so we decided we we're going to take the Switch away so it's like I'm actually I said to you when I came in I was like I'm quite looking forward to playing Mario Party when we're it's like we're going to St Lucia to play video games it's, nah. uh, it's gonna be yeah you can fly on the plane that's it <laughs> yeah it's exciting isn't it but yeah not long till we're out there uh, and we're gonna be doing daily podcasts in St. Lucia Tone daily <laughs> podcasts so I hope you're looking forward to that um, I wanted to finish off with two quick things that have come out of listener correspondence this week go on um, the first was a tweet on Twitter from a Twitter user calling himself Spice Boy who we've heard from a few times on the show, he's asked, asked some questions for our uh, famous Gotta Question segment. Uh, and he says, Right, chaps, this is important. Having pretty much completed my footballers whose surnames are Instructions 11, Dunk, Chilwell, Drinkwater, etc. I'm moving on to cricket. So this is like imperatives, like telling someone what to do yeah. as a surname. So, so far, he's got Cook, Chase and Bolt. And he wants to know, can you or your listenership help I kind of put you on the spot here, Tony, because I didn't tell yeah. you about this beforehand. But uh, can you think of any? Maybe, maybe we can put this out there for the listeners as well, if they can come up with any cricketing imperatives. Root, potentially. Like root, root, yeah. Rooting Hope. around. Hope is a good one. I thought maybe duck it. Yeah. Roach. I mean, they could roach around. <laughs> <laughs> That's... I don't think that counts because it's not actually a verb. To, to roach. What does that mean? To have a sort of good roach around in the bottom <laughs> of your bag. Oh, no. <laughs> now you use it in context. Yeah, that makes I sense. I understand. To hetmire. Like if you have a good, a good hetmire about. Um, and what about uh, Martin Crow? To crow? That's just like verbs, really. Yeah. Well, verbs, but not... But it has to be like... In the imperative tense or whatever you call that you know as in like an instruction yeah stain right yeah in a in a kind of weird way yeah, yeah. like yeah yeah stain stain it yeah <laughs> just keep saying it tone it it'll it, get better it really helps to explain what we're talking about right not spelled correctly but plunk it <laughs> I don't think you understand the concept. Come on, you'll allow Plunkett. That's good. What does Plunkett mean? God, bath Plunkett. <laughs> yeah. God, Adam. These examples Just you're using. Plunkett, oh. mate. Absolutely Plunkett. That that works. <laughs> I, I'm definitely taking that. Hick. Butcher. Butcher, yeah. There you go. Swan. I'm not sure you fully grasped it. No, I've got so, you. I'm just, I'm just playing a bit faster. Triscothic. Triscothic <laughs> about. Um, well, anyway. I'm yeah. definitely having Plunkett. Let's so put anyway, it out there yeah. to listeners. Tweet us in uh, with, with some more suggestions and we'll see if we can put an 11 together. Um, so, yeah, the, the only other thing uh, is... Head. T- head, yeah. 
head out. But you need a that's a prepositional verb though, isn't it? You need a you need an out or off with it. So if he was called Travis Head Off, then <laughs> no, but head just like head. Do you want a head? Okay, yeah. You've scraped in with that scraped one, maybe. Um, so yeah, the final thing to say, uh, we've mentioned this uh, a couple of times before. We just had a message from uh, one of the organisers at the charity Cricket Without Boundaries, uh, who take volunteers out to Africa to teach cricket to kids and spread positive health and social messages at the same time. Um, so yeah, they're, they're looking for volunteers. It's doing good through cricket, basically. Uh, and if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, uh, have a look at cricketwithoutboundaries.com. That's about it, I think, Tone. Uh, we're going to be back. Can we squeeze in a pod before we head off after the Antigua test? Yeah. In the interim, if you enjoy the World Cricket Show, we're on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to get in touch, you can do it through any of those platforms, or you can send us an email at worldcricketshow at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show, there's a couple of ways to do that. You can fling some cash at us on patreon.com slash cricket show and the other thing you can do is leave us a review and a rating but that is the end tone thanks for having me around it's been a pleasure as always yeah it's been an absolute pleasure buzzing for antigua now me too i'm excited well we'll be back to chew that over very soon but until then stay in school everyone and goodbye cheery Smell your fear, deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.